What it do? What it do? Um, I hope everyone had a good holiday. Cause I know this is the episode before, uh, after Thanksgiving. I hope everyone is, uh, you know, is safe. Uh, staying. I mean, I know you're in Atlanta, so I'm pretty sure the weather is. Is it cold in Atlanta or is it warm in Atlanta? I mean, it's 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 a little chilly, but for me being from Boston, it's not it's not too cold to me. Yeah, just uh, yeah, just, um, hope every everyone's safe. Had a good holiday. Ate some turkey, ate some mac and cheese, and uh, now it's back to business, baby. So, uh, Kyle, how you doing, man? I mean, I'm good. Can't complain. The World Cup has been great. A lot of great games. Uh, my Celtics is still dominating the NBA, so can't complain there either. You know, it's, it's good all around. Yeah, I mean, we have the thing about sports is that, like, you know. It's great. You know, you got a lot of great things happening. Other than my Alabama team out of the playoffs. We'll get into that, of course. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this, that's the thing about sports. You know, there's a lot going on. A lot of stuff happening all at once. Um, I, do, I do have a lot on the schedule. But mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the World Cup because I know that's important. Uh, I know we are playing the, the Netherlands yep. tomorrow at um, 10 a.m. So I, I know it's weird start times. I know 10 a.m., what? There's like 6 p.m. there or 8 p.m. there, so it's kind of like eight hour difference. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like 6 p.m. over there. Got you. Um, so yeah, let's just start. Like a lot of crazy stuff has happened. Um, Uruguay is now is knocked out. Um, Portugal's in. Um, did like didn't they win that game though? Uruguay or did they lose that game? Uh, the one today, Uruguay won, but they missed out because of uh, goal differential. Oh, golden versus see, that's the thing with World Cup. You can like you can win games, but if you don't put up the points, then it can uh, like I mean, different like the USA team. Um, we tied against Wales. Mm-hmm. We um, then we tied against England, which is kind of a win for us in a way. Uh, yeah. It was nil nil, so we had to. So that I mean, I feel like we we, we would have been in a better position if we would have. Beaten Wales, uh, yeah. obviously, maybe probably tied with England still, and we would have been not had to worry about you know tying or losing as Iran to advance. But uh, the hero of the game, uh, Pol- uh, Pulisic scored the, ne- the only lone goal, uh, tying the game one nil, and uh, we move on to the knockout stage. And um, now this stage is um, it's like penalty kicks, right? Extra time. So now in the knockout round, yeah. So if you're tied after 90 minutes, you go to a 30 minute like extra session where it gets split up in 15 minute halves, kind of. Then you go to penalty kicks. Gotcha. So I think after stoppage time, there's like what, like two minutes or not two minutes, like two halves, right? Yes, two fifteen. And then yeah, so so if they don't score in that two fifteen, then it's penalty kicks. Right. Right. So so, wait, how come how come it was like that for the first game? Because like I know, well, obviously, yeah, not never mind. It was a penalty. Never mind. Right. Yeah. It was a penalty by Bell. So never mind. Yeah. I asked like how come they didn't have penalty shootouts? But um, yeah, like any 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 like reactions from this World Cup so far? A lot of teams have you know have you know were favorites, and then Germany was a big one, um, really really big one. Um, to their other way, England and Spain, um, they got knocked out. Um, so. Yeah. Any big shocking surprises for you um, in the World Cup so far? Well, I mean, there's been kind of a couple of things that I've noticed so far in the World Cup. You know, going into it, 
you know, I did a video on my podcast kind of breaking down the group stage. And I told people to look out for the African nations. Oh, and yeah. as you can see, you know, Morocco did well. Saudi Arabia had their moment against Argentina. Mm-hmm. Senegal qualified for the knockout round. Senegal, uh, like what a what a what a shocking team. I know I never would have thought they would have made it this far. Like Well, I mean, when you look at African teams, it's kind of Senegal and Egypt that most people know because of Mo Salah with Egypt Allah. and then Mane plays for Senegal, but Mane's not playing in the World Cup. But uh the African teams have done well. You know, the US, the Australia, teams like that who I don't think there's a lot of expectations about them coming into this, but they've looked well enough and they've qualified to go on through. And I think the biggest thing is some of the traditional soccer powers, Germany, Belgium, um, I guess those two are probably the biggest ones really struggled in this tournament. And we might be seeing a shift where the teams that were willing to embrace youth and, you know, speed, pace, and that kind of thing might start becoming better, better teams during these World Cups instead of the, you know, traditional Germany and Belgium, especially. They were kind of disappointing where they played kind of one way really boring soccer and they just weren't able to score enough goals to make it through. So, I mean, I appreciate you being a, a big, big soccer fan because like, I mean, I do know like the surface of soccer, mm-hmm. um, like, but you know, the formations, uh, you know, where players can play. Um, I mean, obviously we talked off air that you are, you were a goalie. So, you know, like the ins and outs of like, you know, the formations uh, to an extent. So, um, yeah. I guess the, yeah, I guess the big question is, um, like for us, the, the USA, mm-hmm. um, we're going to go to a powerhouse in the Netherlands. Um, uh, probably tougher than probably tougher team than England. I mean, I, I'm gonna say England could because they got Kane and like you know Sterling, but they were Sterling was kind of shut down in that game mm-hmm. uh, that that he, that he played. But the question to you is, being the soccer the soccer fan, what do we need to do to? Um, obviously, we got to put up points, put up goals. Right. Um, but that's easy, easy, uh, better said, or what's that saying? That's, uh, oh, easier said, said, than, said done. than done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, what do we need to do? Like, do we need to start off? Obviously, we need to start off the gate strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know our back line has kind of held against Wales, like our, our, our defense kind of like, you know, um, so yeah, just let me get your analysis on like, you know, what we need to do to, uh, to prevail. All right. Um, I do think the U.S. will have a good chance against the U- against the Netherlands because this isn't kind of a traditional Netherlands squad. Uh, I will say, famous player on there. Um, um, well, their their top players are uh, Van Dyke, Van Dyke, yeah. the center back. They have uh, Gakpo up front with uh, Memphis Memphis Depay. Those are the three you really got to watch out Great for. I would say compared to England, England probably has the more talented team. It's just that England doesn't really play up to its potential at times. The yeah. Netherlands, you kind of know what you're going to get. They may not put a lot of shots on net, but they do kind of take advantage of the opportunities that, they, that they're presented with. So the midfield for the U.S. has been its most important aspect so far, and it's going to be the same way uh, tomorrow against the Netherlands. Uh, we'll have to see what Pulisic, he said, He's doing everything he can to play, but, I mean, he had, like, an abdominal injury, so we won't know until really game time whether he can go or not. But 
even if yeah. he doesn't play, Aronson will play, and Aronson is, is a really good substitute because he's a guy who can be uh, creative with his feet, you know, get into the the open spots and make uh, and take creative runs to get to the net. So I actually think the U.S. can win it, mm-hmm. but with the Netherlands being a pretty good defensive side, I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends up maybe scoreless or 1-1 and we end up with penalties. I could <laughs> That's see- what I'm saying. I, I really could see it come down to – because I haven't really seen the Netherlands play because, you know, I've been school, I'm in the school. Like, in the times are weird, the, the play time – like, the start times. But um, from what I've seen with the USA, think about it. I mean, okay, we were up 1-0 until we had that, I guess, um, crucial penalty call. I mean, Bill took the goal. Mm-hmm. We couldn't tie it. Um, so we lost one zero. All right. So then, that I mean, our defense that is saying something. I mean, that happened with the 80th minute, 80, 83rd, 84th minute. So that penalty yeah. kick. So we kind of withhold. I mean, the only score they had was Bale, really, in my eyes. Um, that's only one target. And then the next game, England. I mean, we didn't let them score. They were the top heavy favorite. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to score goals with Kane, Sterling. Yep. Um, but but I feel like um, and 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 then one zero us. I mean, we really haven't really. I mean, so you make a good point where it's like two teams that yes, we can put up goals when we when we can when we get the opportunities. But we are fast, and I feel like we can defend. Um, now I want to ask you this: like compared to all the other USA teams mm-hmm. um, that we had, like well, Landon Donovan, um, Clint Dempsey. Um, uh, who was the goalie? The ball-headed goalie, um, Tim Howard. Tim Howard, yep. Um, where do you rank this USA team as far as talent? And I, I, we we are young. We are younger than we were ever before. We got McKinney, like what, twenty five, twenty six. Um, I think um, Nat Turner. He's probably in his late late mid twenties. Yeah. Um, Pulisic is only twenty four. Twenty four. Um, so tell me, like, do you think? If we do get past the Netherlands, um, does this team with this obviously new coach too? You got to factor in with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's held his own so far. So, comparing the other teams prior to the World Cup USA teams, um, what have you seen? Like, and are we like what do you rank us in like top terms of talent? Uh, I mean, I know. I think it was like. There was a squad that where I think Dempsey was kind of at the height of his, you know, talent with the U.S. That I feel like that group was probably better than this one, but I do think in terms of optimism going forward, I feel like U.S. fans should feel probably the most optimistic about this group than even that group. And that, I only say that because this group, the style that they play, is more conducive to international style. So when they play in World Cups and stuff, they'll be able to kind of hang with some of these better European nations. Whereas I feel like some of those teams with Dempsey and Donovan, they played more of a style that fit MLS back then where they were kind of uh, defensive-minded and try to get out on the counterattack. And then when they played internationally, it didn't really go well against certain European squads. This team plays more of a you know, high press, play through the midfield. The only thing that this group needs to probably surpass that team is 
They need a guy in the middle up front. They've tried Josh uh, Stark up there. They have Ferreira up there. Um, they have Ricardo Pepe, who's not on the squad, but he's probably the most talented guy for that position, which is why I think this group will probably do better in 2026 than even what they're doing right now. Uh, but if they can solidify that middle, you know, the number nine spot, your middle forward, I think this team could be probably the best generation that the U.S. has seen. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do agree. We got some young, some young, talented guys, uh, people who have played overseas too. I mean, you know, Pulisic played at Chelsea, yep. played in the Premier League. Got McKinney played at Juventus with Ronaldo. Um, so, I mean, we got yeah, they have a bunch of those. Uh, Reem. And I think Aronson play at Fulham. Tyler Adams plays over in Europe. So, yeah. So that I mean that Premier League. I mean that's a tough league. I mean with yeah. you know, if I mean even post Ronaldo. I mean I know he's uh well I guess you would say I mean he kind of like left the team. So I guess you would say post Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. So who knows where he's gonna go after the World Cup? But he could be in the MLS. I will hey, say that. I'm gonna throw that out. I there. heard. Oh, I heard Saudi Arabia uh, gave him a deal. But yeah, I, I do see. Uh, yeah. They're offering I mean, like, like over 300, 300 million. 300 mil. <laughs> that's like, yo, like, let me get that money, man. Like, you don't need that money, bro. Like, I mean, it, 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 they would just use them I for. I mean, if he converts that money, like, well, now he has his currency. It's like, I think in pounds, right? His currency right now. But if he converts that stuff to like US dollars, he would be like a billionaire. But like, he probably is a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And all this. You know, he don't need that money. But yeah, you're right. I do see him going to a maybe a FC Miami. Or like probably the Galaxy, probably um, not Miami, especially if they're saying Messi might go to Miami. I don't. I feel like those two would never play together because that would be something else, man. Well, they have like a little rivalry going, so I feel like Ronaldo, if he went, to well, that, I mean, goes to another. In a sense, wasn't it? I mean, it was neck and neck, like Ronaldo and Messi, but mm-hmm. Neymar was in there too, so like they partnered up. I mean, yeah, so that was who, different. That, that was yeah. Different. Ronaldo's a different personality, you know. Ronaldo wants to be head and shoulders the guy. You can see when he plays, you know. If they don't pass it to him, he rolls his eyes, he gets frustrated. But when he scores goals, it's a spectacle because he does his, you know, suey celebration and all that. So Oh, that's a whoo like that. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just him making sure everybody knows he scored and all eyes are on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, we got a, a, a big game ahead of us on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'll look at the next topic. Um, so we got here. I guess we could, we, we could talk about, um, just like the, um, I guess the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, just going to that. Uh, my first topic was like, where do you see Judge? Land- I know we talked about it on the Big Three podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you see Judge landing? Um, Leaning more toward the Yankees, and then what other dominoes will fall after Andrew's decision? Uh, I, I mean, I know Dylan brought this up on you know Big Three. I'm kind of starting to lean towards him, where I feel like each day that goes, my percentage of him leaving continues to climb. Uh, I just think that San Francisco is going to make a really hard push for him. And it's going to be whether or not Judge wants to just stay in New York because that's what he knows or go out to San Francisco. And, I mean, in that division, you only really have to deal with the Dodgers, whereas in the ALEs, you got to worry about the Rays, 
Blue Jays, Red Sox, and now even the Orioles are starting to show signs of being confident again. So, I, I mean, I still lean towards the Yankees, but I would not be surprised if he goes to the Giants. And then in terms of the other question, if Judge leaves the Yankees, then we're going to see the Yankees go, you know, full court press on a guy probably like Bogarts or uh, Correa. Some, some big name, you know, the Yankees will obviously use the money they missed out on with Judge and then throw it at somebody else. And I think it'd probably be Bogarts because I could see them trying to steal Bogarts from the Red Sox because we know, you know, how that would make, you know, how that would hurt the Red Sox even more. So that probably would be the next domino to fall after Judge if he were to leave. If he stays, I don't know, probably one of the pitchers like Verlander. Yeah, I heard it. Um, I saw a report that um, they're planning on moving um, Don- Donaldson uh, and uh, I think Hicks. So that can free up some money. Um, Donaldson, he's getting old. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really show much. He had a couple home runs this season, but it's not like – I feel like we need someone young. I feel like DJ Lemayhew would take that third base spot. Uh, I mean, I, I know the only deal the Yankees did do were IKF and um, Rizzo. So far, um, IKF, Isaiah Connor, Falefa. Um, I mean, we still have Torres. I mean, I heard he's on a market. Maybe I heard the Mariners are thinking of looking at him. Um, but I mean, if I mean, if we do not let them hit him go, I think he, I think I see him at second base. Um, but I feel like with us, we need like you know, if we like Dylan asked me on Tuesday, what is the plan if Judge leaves? I mean, I couldn't answer that because I, I mean, we need. I mean, we need pitching. I mean, I know we have Cole, Court, um, Nestor for starting pitchers. Um, you know, uh, Severino. Um, but I think I feel like we need like more relief pitchers because see if our you know if our starter if, if a starting pitcher is you know tired, we, we need someone t- who can withstand the rest of the game. Um, but I don't know. Like I don't know who would fill that that hole with the judge if he leaves, but. I mean, like they I said, could, they, they could fill it a couple of ways. Either you go out and get an outfielder, but I don't know what outfielder that's really out there who could be on that level. So Benintendi, they, but he's more like a uh, yeah. Benintendi's more like a twenty home run guy, high batted, high batting average. But in terms of a guy who could hit 40, 50 home runs, I don't know if that guy's out there that plays in the outfield. So they would probably go Benintendi and then go upgrade one of the infield positions. That's why I said, you know, a guy like Bogarts or Correa, one of those shortstops, I could see them bringing them in and just kind of figuring it out that way. Yeah, like you did mention, like, the winter meetings are next week. So, I mean, a lot of, you know, things are going to might be snow falling after those meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, that's where like, all the all the owners just come into one big, big area and just talk about players and stuff. So I'm pretty sure Aaron Jones' name is going to be the top name that comes out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I feel like the Yankees are are motivated to sign him. I think they're just waiting on other deals and then just trying to match that. I know I'm, I'm not – I saw a report saying they did make a deal for Andrews that's one of the largest contracts. I think it was like eight years, like 300-something mil or something like 350. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I feel like if the Yankees are really all in on Aaron Judge, they should really – 
you know, first make him captain, which will, he will be long captain um, after Jeter to be named the Yankee captain. Um, so, I mean, I would say, you know, throw him in the kitchen sink, give him the captain, give him the captain. I mean, he said before the season started, he, um, I mean, when a reporter asked him, hey, do you see yourself being a Yankee for your career? He was like, I mean, I, I mean, I was always seeing myself in pinstripes. Um, you know, that's, that was a legacy. So, obviously, with him, it's like building a legacy wherever he goes. You know, family. There, there are a lot of factors here that, you know, when Aaron Judge is mine, he has to factor in. But I feel like if he wants to win, like, win titles, um, Yankees, are the, Yankees are, you know, the, <laughs> the, the the prominent team. I mean, I, I know you're going to say, oh, what about the this year's playoff? Da, 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 da. <laughs> but, I mean – I mean, he hasn't won with them yet, and no, you're right, you're right. But I feel they, like they, they get keep him the bringing in guys to win, but it just hasn't happened. And he's he's have to wonder, would can this group put together a squad that can actually win it in an American League where the Astros aren't going away, the Red Sox you assume will be back soon, the Blue Jays are up and coming, the Rays are still there. So it might be a tougher road in the American League, at least to him. Not to say the National League doesn't have great teams either, but it all depends on what he values, whether it's being home or at least near home or the money and the uh, stage that New York is. So, like, do you see, like, if, okay, say, like, he get he, he signs, worst case scenario, he signs with the Giants. Do you see them being immediate playoff contender team because I mean, they have other holes to fill on that roster too so I mean Andrews they with anywhere he goes I mean he's gonna give him their team that boost um but I mean like a team like the Dodgers like a team like the the Giants I mean do you I mean do you do you see yourself getting to the playoffs with the Yankees or the Giants like I mean uh well I mean if you look at the National League you know, right. the real threats, the Dodgers, uh, you got to say the Padres. I feel like the Cardinals, Braves, Phillies might be five teams you really worry about, especially as a Giants fan. You know, the Mets have been up and down, mainly down, but they were up last year. Um, the Cubs, eh. I mean, the Central Division, I guess the Brewers, you could say, have been kind of up there. But uh, the Giants have put together championship teams. So Judge has seen that in his career in New York, that the Giants have won a World Series, have been in contention for other ones, have put up like 100-win seasons, I think, a couple of times. So he knows that front office there knows how to build a winner, where unfortunately the Yankees haven't done that yet. Yeah, I mean, like it, it all remains to be seen, like where where they go. Um, I mean, obviously, me being an Yankee fan, I do want to see Andrews and Pinstripes for at least eight eight to ten years, maybe. Um, I mean, as other Yankees fans would like him, but I mean, y'all do bring up a point where, like, you know, as days go, I'm, I'm, I yeah, I know the winter meetings are next week, um, but the days and days have gone by, and John is not signed with the Yankees, but I mean, I think he's just weighing his options right now, so. I mean, right. as he should that, right. as a free, that's his right as a free, free agent. agent. He should do that. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's kind of like like Lamar Jackson. He's in like a prove it kind of year deal, like just like Aaron Judge was. Like he they they couldn't get a contract done in time for Judge and start of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Prior to him getting the sixty home runs, um, you know, p- people didn't really have doubt in Aaron Judge, but nobody nobody knew he was going to get sixty two this this year. But you know, by playing and improving and getting those home runs and and get on that getting in on home runs list with sixty two. Um, that only boost up his his price, just like Lamar Jackson. The the games he he does play well. The games he does win, his market goes up. Um, so it's kind of like that, you know. So they couldn't get a deal done before the season started with Lamar. Um, mm-hmm. he's on his last year's contract, his rookie contract. I mean, now NFL's more not lenient, but more where they can sign Lamar to a um. To a, or they can franchise tag him for two years. That's not the worst case scenario and keep him. But obviously they want to get that deal done. Um, they want to solidify that position, just just like the Yankees. I mean, they want to. You, you still think the Ravens want to? I'm starting to question it. We, uh, well, I heard R- R- Roman um, just got offered a contract or uh, or an offer to uh, Coach Stanford, so he might be gone. So. That might we might bring in someone else for offensive coordinator, so that could you know excite Lamar, and that could open up doors for like getting receivers, um, you know, because obviously the way Roman's always is set up, you know, the receivers don't want to play for Roman. Uh, I don't think it's Lamar. Lamar has the arm; he has the capability to put the ball in the players' hands. It's just that the play calling is just not like what receivers want. I know, you know, Rob, I mean, not Robinson. Uh, Robinson has stepped up. I mean, I, mean, I know uh, Jackson had that nice catch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what, like, where that goes. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I he, feel like he, he I feel can like, do what Judge couldn't do if he could win a Super Bowl. Yeah. That'd be better than what Judge did. Uh, I do think at least Judge betting on himself, he had a historic year. Yeah. Right, so that right. worked in his favor. Well, Mars year so far has been kind of up and down for whatever factors that you know you want to point to. Uh, I I know you said Roman's leaving. Well, I don't know if he's leaving. Know, but he's like, like well, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I know you want to probably talk NFL later, but I just want to say, yeah, I, should we dive into it right now, man? Okay. Well, next talk. I think Lamar is when I watch him play, it seems like mm-hmm. he's comfortable throwing the ball over the middle, but. Outside the numbers towards the sideline, I feel like he struggles there. Now, that's something where, you know, you bring in a guy who maybe emphasizes that in the offense. You know, Lamar works on it uh, in practice week after week in the offseason. Maybe he gets better at it. But I think for right now, defenses can game plan for Lamar by playing the middle more and forcing him to throw outside. And – I mean, he's not the only one with that issue because there's a lot of quarterbacks that struggle throwing to the outside the numbers because, you know, there's not a lot of room out there. You have to be a little bit more accurate out there. So if Roman does leave, I would I kind of wonder if Harbaugh would bring in a guy who's more like Roman and just continue the way that they're going now, because maybe in Harbaugh's mind, this is the way that best suits Lamar and Baltimore as a whole as you know, to be a winner or will he just go completely off script and bring in a guy who's going to want to come in, you know, spread everybody out 
and try to go high powered offense. I mean, I, that's I mean, that's the best case scenario. I mean, I mean, go high powered offense. I mean, um, with with the way Lamar can like extend plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously he well he was like two ten, I think. He weighed two ten like a couple years ago. Now he was like two thirty, so he gained some, some muscle, mm-hmm. which is good for you know. To, I mean, obviously he had a little couple injuries, like a hip injury this year, and like I think, um, maybe like the sickness I think this year. But um, the way he can extend plays, why not? Just you know, if he can run run outside the pocket. Act, act like he's gonna run it, but then see a see a high caliber wide receiver out on the run, hit him. Like that's what I'm interested to see who would be a candidate for like if Roman leaves, like who would we pull in someone internal or someone at outside, like when we brought in a QB uh back from the Broncos mm-hmm. a couple years ago when Joe Flacco was at the quarterback. So right. I mean, but like we saw what he did with Joe Joe's arm. So we need someone who can who can I'm not saying Roman doesn't do a good job. Quarterback, though. That's that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you wanted to compare Lamar to the other scramblers in the league, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, guys like that. Um, I would say just looking at those three, in terms of accuracy, I probably think of Lamar as the worst in that group. But maybe that's just because it's not something they do a lot. And if they started doing it more, maybe he'd get better at it. Cause right now their offense is kind of, you know, short, quick slant routes or whatever, or, uh, Mark Andrews curl over the like middle, play, stuff the like play, that. Play action. Yeah. Like methodical drive down the field, which is why they don't score a lot. But would we see an issue where, if you know, they tried to spread it out and have Lamar throw the ball 40, 50 times would his accuracy issues be magnified or would he just have so much fun in that kind of offense? It would unlock uh, maybe potential in him that we haven't seen in him yet. I mean, I guess my answer to that, to that statement is like, um, like, I mean, look at Kansas city. I mean, look at, I mean, is, um, it's uh, Andy Reid as the head coach, him and me as the office coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, post Tyreek Hill, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, kind of a big body receiver. Um, Nico Hardman. I mean, their receiving core is not is not. I mean, other than Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, look at what Behemi is doing with with the uh, receivers that they have. I mean, I mean, they're not as. I mean, their receiving core. I mean, I think the Chiefs' course is better than the. I think the Bills' are course is better than the Chiefs right now. Obviously, because they got Diggs, Gabe Davis. Uh, but look what they're doing. I mean, I mean, I think that the enemy is just letting Mahomes be Mahomes and let him air it out, air attack. Um, even with this re- 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 receiver that they do have, so I'm saying, yeah, if you get off the corner, that can like, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not saying that Greg Roman can't unleash Lamar Jackson's arm, arm because he has, he has made a couple of plays where he did throw it for long distance, like you know, we saw the play against Jaguars last week. I mean, and he, and he can throw the ball, but I mean, if you can get a coordinator that can kind of like really, really, really like unlock his abilities as a thrower, get some receivers that maybe that will, will entice Lamar and the Ravens. Um, I mean, I think we're only like a wide receiver. I mean, I, well, I know Bateman got hurt. I mean, he was probably like our number one. 
Um, he can't really stay healthy. He came into the league with a groin injury. Um, and I think he had an ankle injury, I think, I believe. Um, his last was recently one. So, um, but I mean, they are seven to four. I mean, so it's not like they're have a losing record right. and their schedule is kind of like in their favor. Um, other than most teams, we got the Broncos and then I think the Falcons and the Steelers. And then I think, uh, the Browns and I think, yeah, I think Broncos, I think Browns next, I think the Falcons, Steelers, and I, well, I think we'll say Steelers twice still and then the Bengals last to end this, the end of the year. So, I mean, the only running team we play is the, the Bengals. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's in our favor. But like you said, if Lamar can, you know, win, can advance deep into the playoffs. I mean, because our defense is looking good too. Like, you know, we're Quan Smith. We're getting Marcus Williams back. Dobbins coming back. Uh, obviously, on the offensive side, um, Ojabo's coming back. I mean, Ojabo, we're going to see him um, play. Yeah. Um, so, I mean – my thing is, but when it can throw on your secondary, I will say that. I know a lot of people, you know, hear Humphrey and names like that, and they're like, "Oh, that dude, that secondary is pretty good." It's like you can throw on them. Uh, where Humphrey is tough is that, you know, he knows how to you know punch the ball out and cause fumbles and all that. Oh yeah, and Kyle uh, Hamilton too. We got him too. So. Right, but I think I think the quarterbacks in the league who like a, like take Joe Burrow, he's got Jamar Chase. Higgins, Boyd, uh, Hayden Hurst. I'm sure when Cincinnati plays Baltimore, he's not worried about the Ravens secondary. You know, Roquan Smith, yes, he's going to want to know where he is on the field because he can rush the passer. So that's kind of been my my worry in terms of the Ravens is that. So you're saying teams are not afraid to throw against the secondary? Not at all. If I'm just saying the teams that have a – like top tier quarterback have good enough offensive weapons. I don't think they look at the Ravens secondary as, you know, trying to think of secondaries of years past, like Legion of boom. People were afraid of that secondary because of all that they can do. I don't think they look at Baltimore that way because with Humphrey, you could throw a double move on him and he'll bite up every once in a while. You can burn him. Uh, Hamilton kind of the same. And so, I mean, it's only his first year. I mean, it's a learning. It's a learning well, I was say, Hamilton, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't throw Hamilton yeah. in there because, like you said, he's still early in his career. And then Marcus, and people know what Humphrey's about. And I think Marcus Williams coming back, so that's going to help him in the secondary, too, because he was leading in the league in interceptions and starting the season. So, for like three off the bat. So, and that's going to be a good help. But I do, I mean, I guess you do make a point where, like, like, like last game, like, our secondary was getting blown up, yeah. um, you know, but. I mean, I think when it comes to playoffs, like playoff football, I think it comes. It, I think it comes down to obviously putting up points. Um, you know, defenses, stifling defenses, um, and just consistency. And I think that if the Ravens D, this can be like the 2013 team where I'm not saying I'm not compared to Ray Lewis or every at all. I'm saying right. like as far as like a defense standpoint, defenses win games. Defenses wins championships. Um, so if the defense can limit other teams from scoring, um, mm-hmm. and that is a big addition to Brooklyn Smith because he he's kind of like that Ray Lewis, kind of like that middle linebacker, kind of like that tough, that tough, hard nosed linebacker that who can get picks too. He can drop back and lure and, and lurk um, in the middle with picks and stuff. So he's kind of like a like a utility linebacker um, mm-hmm. in the center middle linebacker. So with Queen in the middle, uh, and I think that. 
we I know we haven't like proved that we can last and we can advance in the playoffs, but I feel like this year is our year to advance more in the obviously with wherever we are in the in the seating um at the, at the end of the year. Um I think that we can maybe like you said on Tuesday, we can maybe go up against the Titans in the first round or like I don't know. I mean I'd rather see the Chiefs or Bills in the second round, possibly. Um because I mean, obviously we we were we were destroying them, the Bills, but then they came back on us. I mean, we blew the lead, but I'm, I'm that, saying that, that I'm saying, different. but I'm saying in a game where it's like that, where we all blown out teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've never really got blown out this year, um, by a big margin. Um, right. so I feel like if it's a different game where we are up against the Bills or or big against the Bills and our defense can hold them, and we can try to find a way to put up points. Anything has happened or is possible. I feel like my philosophy is in the playoffs, everyone has zero zero record in the playoffs. Um, anything can happen. Um, hey, the Chiefs can get upset. The Bills can get upset. The Eagles can get upset in the playoffs. Who knows? I mean, anything can, it's not like it's kind of open when in terms of like, you know, that playoffs or the playoff team. So, um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, but I think my problem right now with the Ravens is like how I saw last game against the Jaguars, how we weren't, how we, 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 we couldn't really put up a lot of points. We were in the red zone a lot and we just couldn't like, I know Andrews dropped the touchdown pass. I think DeMarcus Robinson dropped one too, but we, we were in the, we were in the, um in the red zone at least like five, six or five times during that game. And we had to either kick a field goal or kick a punt. Um, so it couldn't, it shouldn't come down to a, I guess that team, I mean, all props to Lawrence for, you know, playing as well as he did. Um, but that's the game should not have come down to a field goal. We should have gone out on that by like 20, 25 points, I, I think, the way, but Lamar had a forced fumble. I know Gus Edwards fumbled. So really, it's not really all on Lamar on that game, but obviously he had a couple bad throws, but the, like you said, the secondary got blown up a couple times. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Fourth and eight. If the Jaguars don't convert on that fourth and eight, is the game's over. <laughs> to be honest. Like it was like a minute left in the then that touchdown, it was kinda I don't know how I think about that touchdown. Like was that a touchdown? That one where it, the Jags it was like one foot in and like his shin. Yeah, yeah he was in. I don't know about that man. Because it's I mean, most people, you know, oh, two feet in. Yeah, I get it. But the shin, knee, elbow, you get any of those in, that counts as two feet. He got his shin down before the other, you know, foot came down out of bounds. So it was a touchdown. Um, it was just a really good throw because that the coverage on that wasn't bad. It was just that. It was tight. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just placed in a really good spot. Um, but kind of why I said you know, the secondary, you can throw on them. If you look at the games, you know, over the season that they've blown leads, that's kind of when the other team has been like, okay, we're abandoning the run and we're just going to throw. And they find open spaces a lot of the time. You know, the Ravens defense, their front seven is pretty good. Right. So if the game's close or not, and teams are still trying to run the ball, they're fine. But once they abandon the run and just strictly go past, that's where you see the Ravens kind of struggle. And, you know, you talked about them getting into the red zone and having to settle for field goals and all that. 
that's another issue I have with them because that just keeps teams in the games longer where if you get to the red zone like three times in your first three possessions, at most you should have 21 points, three touchdowns. But with the Ravens, you'll watch them and they'll get like nine or maybe 13. And I feel like that's where in the playoffs issues like that become more magnified. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, that's where like I'm worried about. Like, like, like we like you said, if we convert on those red zone plays, like you said, like early, early, early red zone play, like first, second quarter, Mm -hmm. first half, it should be twenty one zip. If the defense can, if the defense can like stop them from scoring, right? Um, so that's the only where that's the only like gray area I see in the Ravens right now in the playoffs because mm-hmm. I watched the game like we were in the red zone a lot. Um, we just couldn't, you know. I and mean, I think we had a cup. I think Lamar rushed it in once. I think in that game uh, on a red zone, but the throws. I mean, obviously the throws. I mean, Demarcus Robinson dropped one. It's not really on Lamar. It's not his fault that the receivers can't catch the ball. They were, they were right there. Mark, that's a rare drop by Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's like a Kelsey for Lamar. Like, you know, it's just like Kelsey is for Mahomes. He can he has, you know, uh, heavy hands. Like, he can catch the ball. So, that was, that was a really a rare drop from Andrews, and that pass should have been, should have been caught. But I feel like this uh, – the schedule that we have is more is, is a little easier than other teams. Um, I feel like that's that would be in our advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we, it we, should be in your advantage. It should be. It should be like like I said prior shows. We should have beat the. I mean, I had the Jaguars or Ravens beating the Jaguars because mm-hmm. on on the line, the money line, they were the favorites, like three point five point favorites. So, um, the, the, that's a game that we should have won. I do agree. Um, but I mean, I feel like we for us we have to look just look for the next look at for the next game. Mm-hmm. And after the Broncos, and um, I, I mean, I know they had their issues over there in Denver. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not, I think it's an empty bank. So that's another good, good thing. It's at home. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely want to see where we land in the playoff standings. So like, if we are like at that, I think we are. Before I say anything, I think we are um, in the conference. We are. Da, 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 da. I think you're the fourth seed right it's now. Like one, two, three, four, fifth. Or fifth in the Tennessee, right? Or Tennessee, like, we, we be the same record. That's crazy. Yo, that's wild. So we're seven and four. Um, We're three and two at home. They're three and two at home. We're four and two away. They're four and two away. Um, I mean, we're two. So we're two and oh in our division. And then Tennessee, they're, they're three and oh in their division. So it's kind of like neck and neck. So I, I feel like if we. I feel like if we beat the Broncos, we should be in that fourth spot, depending on who they play. Tennessee plays. I think they play the um, the Eagles. So, ooh, I don't know. It's going to be a tough game. So, um, I guess as a dive into Tennessee uh, NFL, let's just go over the um, the scores of, like, last week. I know your team played um, the Vikings and um, – um, the Bills and Lions played, the Cowboys Giants played, and then the um Vikings uh Patriots played. Um so just, just give me a rundown of of what you thought, like what your reactions were. Um I mean the you know the Cowboys took <laughs> care of the Giants. We we saw the Cowboys are definitely a better team. Uh the Giants look like the team that I said I see them falling out of the playoffs and 
I think they're still in it right now, but I fully expect them to fall out. Do you do you still stand on that? Like stand yeah. on that statement? Yeah. I, have, I have no problem saying that. <laughs> Are um, you afraid of that, Freddie? <laughs> I feel like I left Freddie. You ain't well, afraid, I mean, I said it on the show yesterday, yeah. so I oh, think yeah. Freddie was watching. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll I'll continue oh. to say that. I just don't see a path where, because my my mind goes to for the NFC. I think you have to get at least nine wins to get in. Looking at the Giants' rest of the schedule, I could see maybe one win in there, so they end up as an eight and nine team. I don't think that's good enough. I think the Commanders will get in ahead of them. The Seahawks are out right now, but I think the Seahawks get right back into it. And I see the Giants being on the outside looking in. Um, Lions and Bills. It was a good game, but what we kind of see with the Bills is that recently their offense will click in spurts, but it hasn't. they haven't really put together a full game yet. And we even saw that last night against the Patriots, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But oh, man. That game they was... let they let the Lions hang around in that game, and the Lions had every opportunity to win that one. But you know, a win is a win, so they they you know got the job done. Uh, the Vikings Patriots game, really good game as well. Uh, came down to that Hunter Henry catch, no catch. I thought it was a catch; should have been a touchdown. You know, they waved it off or whatever, but. If the touchdown was, you know, allowed to stand, that changes the whole trajectory of the rest of the game because later in the game when the Patriots got into the red zone, they went for it on fourth down because they needed a touchdown, whereas mm-hmm. if they had that touchdown, they kicked the field goal to tie the game. But, you know, that's kind of how the NFL works, so you just move on from that. I mean, it was a good win for the Vikings. You know, a lot of people don't trust the Vikings record, and I understand that, but... Uh, in terms of a primetime game, Kirk Cousins played pretty well. Uh, Justin Jefferson kind of showed that if you don't think he's the best receiver in the league, you might have to start thinking about him being number one right now. Hey, Jefferson, is, I mean, he's, he's awesome, man. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, we'll just argue, you know, whether it's Tyreek Hill or uh, yeah. Cooper Cup, although he's hurt, you know. Hopkins, Adams, Diggs, you know, there's a lot of guys who are putting up pretty good big numbers. So it's whether, you know, you place Jefferson first, you have him second, third, whatever, however you want to rank those guys. Right. Um, so the Bills beat the Lions 2025, uh, Cowboys lost 2028, and Patriots lost 2623. Um, let's go. Sunday night game on Packers and Eagles. Um, Eagles beat the Packers 40-33 um, by, I think, a touch, uh, touchdown. Um, just the fact that Green Bay was in that game was, like, shocking because I thought that, you know, Eagles should have, again, one of those teams that should have destroyed the Packers. I mean, even though they put up 40 on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, think I mean, I, I guess, A.J. Brown had a – fumble late that you know we're on a drive where the eagles look like they're about to score uh i know he's trying to get extra yards he only had one hand on the ball they ripped it from him so if they finish off that drive the score probably looks a little bit more favorable to the eagles uh once again you know they got a win they may not have played their best game but they still came with a win so it's all good to me 
Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the Sunday night game. Let's just briefly go over the other games. I mean, the Ravens obviously lost to the Jaguars 27-28. Uh, Rams uh, lost to the Chiefs 16-10. Um, not surprising because the Rams are just garbage this year. Um, yeah. Saints uh, lost to 49ers uh, 13-0, 49ers. Uh, Browns, which we'll get into because watching this back this week, yep. um, Browns play – our Browns played the Buccaneers um won 23-17 in the overtime. Uh Bengals beat Titans 2016. Um Dolphins beat the Texans 30-15. Uh Jets beat 30 um Bears 31 and 10. Falcons beat nine um Falcons 19-13. Broncos our Panthers beat Broncos 23-10, 25-24 Chargers. Raiders 40-34, which I mean we all saw that play where uh, the Seahawks uh, linemen run run onto the field to uh, stop the play. I don't know if I saw that. I don't think, I don't think they were that at all. I don't know if that could have been a big step into the game and they could have stopped the play, whatever. But Josh Jacob had it like 300 yards rushing. Um, and then to top it off, yeah, the Monday night game um, or Sunday night game um, 30. Uh, Against the Eagles and Packers, 40-33. Then in Monday night game, I, I know Dylan said on Tuesday that he made a good point that you know um, a game that the coach could have won, um, but due to um, due to Jeff Saturday's you know time management skills, which I mean it's just understandable. It's only what third, second game into the league, mm-hmm. coming off of the ESPN analyst, yep. um, so that's understandable. Um, but. That's where you can make or break a loss or a win, the time management. You see using that clock. Um, and Dylan said he did admit that in the press conference that, oh, yeah, I did bet on, on the play clock or play calling time management. Um, but Steelers, I mean, even though Steelers did win, they're in, our, they're in my division. Um, 24-17, they won. So that brings us to the week 13. I mean, you know, the first game of the week, um, your team, I, I say your team got dismantled by the Bills. I would say I was trying to find a word to. Uh... I, mean, <laughs> I mean, they didn't get dismantled, they didn't, but they didn't. the time that I've seen them on TV, like Matt Jones is going with three and outs. Yes. Um, he did. I, I did see a clip of of him yelling at I think Patricia mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna say it on air," but he was like, "The running game is not working." Mm-hmm. Or whatever, he was pissed. Um, I, I so mean, yeah, you, you the offense has an identity crisis, and what what I think it is is, I feel like Patricia and whoever else is is involved in the offensive game plan. They don't trust the line enough against certain teams. You know, Buffalo's a team that likes to. Uh, blitz and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think they trust this current offensive line to hold up against teams like that. So they go into those games and they always do a lot of they do they go run heavy. It's a lot of screen passes and quick outs because they don't want to expose Mac Jones to just being back there and bludgeoned to death. Mac Jones is frustrated because he knows his ability and he understands that Ramondre Stevenson, good young running back. But I think 
in Mac Jones's mind, if the if the running game is not working, then Patricia and them should scrap it and let Mac Jones kind of just throw the ball over the field. So I think he thinks the offensive game plan isn't really tailored to what he can do best. And maybe he thinks there's a confidence issue there with Patricia and those guys and Mac Jones. So I don't have a problem with him getting frustrated by it because, I mean, I would be frustrated too. But, I mean, I know on pregame picks and I picked the Patriots to win and I kind of said it on there. That was me being a homer because I just wanted them to win. Right. Plus it was, it was, it was a division game too. So Yeah, but in my mind, right. I know Buffalo's the better team and mm-hmm. I expected Buffalo to win in my mind. But I just said it because, like I said, Patriots fan, I wanted them to win. Defensively, they could have won that game. Uh, just offensively, right now, it's just not clicking. And, you know, a lot of Patriot fans today were, you know, upset with the game last night. And then to me, it's just like, we need to be realistic. Mm-hmm. Coming to this year, uh, once again, on my show, like way back before the season, I did predictions. I predicted the Patriots to be. Eight, nine wins, 10 on a good year. And, you know, currently they're six and six, so they're pretty much on pace to be eight and nine, nine and eight. So they're pretty much playing to what I thought they were going to play to based off of, you know, who, you know, Patricia is an offensive coordinator, the talent that they have. This is a middle of the road team. So, you know, you just got to ride it out. You got to assume in the offseason there's going to be some changes. You know, if if McDaniels loses his job in Oakland, pretty sure he'll probably just go back to New England and be the offensive coordinator. If not, maybe they bring in Bill O'Brien from the college ranks, who was the offensive coordinator for Brady for a few years, and get like an actual offensive mind in there. I think they'll be fine next year. Plus, you add in some draft picks where – I got to give Belichick a lot of credit. People have kind of killed him for some of his draft picks of years prior, but I feel like the past couple of years, he's done a really good, really good job in the draft. So I always looked at this year as just a talent evaluation year and look more towards next year as a year where they could maybe contend for a playoff spot. So whatever they do this year, doesn't really bother me one way or the other. Right, but that right. was a good one for the Bills, I will say. You know, going on the road to New England late in the season, good win by them. Right. Yes, good analysis. I mean, with you being a true uh, Patriots fan, that's you know, you're being honest, and that's what it's yeah. all about. Huh? Um. So let's just dive into the um. So like, just like Tuesday, let's go to our uh, uh our the main game. Mm-hmm. Um. So we'll start off with the Sunday night game um cowboys colts i do i do see the cowboys winning that game with ease um the colts are coming in the game four seven and one uh cowboys eight and three with that good defense and Dak prescott at the helm um i know ezekiel had a good game against the giants um a couple of good runs mm-hmm. um so i definitely see them winning there they are 10 and a half point favorites in that game um do you agree yeah they're they're clearly the better team. Cow, I mean the Colts. I mean the Colts' offense is pretty tough to watch. They're kind of one dimensional, so I just think the Cowboys' defense will overwhelm them. 
So it should be an easy win for the Cowboys. Um, the Monday night game. Oh, that's a. I guess this is a good conference uh, division game. Saints and Buccaneers. Um, I. Man, it's a tough one because, I mean, I would say Tom Brady and the Buccaneers will win, but uh, they've been struggling. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Browns. Um, in overtime. Oh, man. Tough. I mean, that Browns team is probably more talented than. I mean, they are three and a half point favorite right now, and. And, and I mean, like I said, the Browns have talent. You know, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper's played really well the past few weeks. Uh, what in Joku? I think he's still playing if he's not hurt. But they have some offensive pieces. The Saints, on the other hand, you know, Dalton is what he is. Uh, Jameis Winston clearly isn't ready to come back. Otherwise, he'd be playing, I assume. Right. Yeah, I I mean, I think the Bucks get the win, but. I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring game, I think. Yeah, I, I'm not going to predict the Bucks to blow out anybody right now because they have their own issues that they're working through. But I think they get a another close win. Uh, yeah, I do agree. With, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'll give the edge to Buccaneers on this one by a small margin. I I would agree with the money line, three and a half points, because, like, Vegas doesn't see them blowing out either. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess we can just go over this quickly, the um, – the other games, I know the Broncos, Broncos, Ravens. Um, I know Baltimore's nine and a half point favorites. Who do you see in that game winning? You see Ravens winning in that game? The Ravens should win it, yes. Um, I do want to see what Russell Wilson does after the, you know, lineman get in his face and everybody's. Nobody, seeing. I mean, I, I, like I heard nobody showed up to the party, his party. So that's what I heard. Like, I don't know. That's. To be honest, if you were invited to a party by Russell Wilson, would you really go? He doesn't see. He seems like a like a Logie kind of guy. I mean, he's, he's like seems, not in a limelight kind of like not like low profile. Yeah, he's, he he seems like, like he he has like a corny sense of humor. <laughs> so you're saying if your boy Russell Wilson and be like, "Yo, Kyle, man, I like what you're doing on the podcast. I like you support me, man." What's your address? What's your email, man? Let me uh, send you an invite. You wouldn't take the invite? <laughs> I mean, I'm not an NFL player, so I'd be like, all right, cool. Because <laughs> I figure there's got to be some type of exposure for me as just a little guy with a little podcast with Russell Wilson. But for his teammates, one, they've dealt with him all season. We've seen all the frustration, whether it's, you know, Jerry Judy, Hamler, um, that lineman who I can't remember his name. So, especially him throwing a party after a loss oh, like that. Yeah, some of them are probably like, man, I don't want to see him right now because, you know, I'll probably say something to him. I, I mean, it's a bad look for sure, but, you know, the way that the Broncos season has gone doesn't surprise me that not all of them showed up. Right. So, I mean, I guess we can do our, um, our, 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 our locks, our, Upsets. I mean, I was gonna go down every game, but I don't want to take up too much time. So he's gonna do. I mean, uh, you don't really need to talk about. Yeah, I mean, so we're just, there are lots, a lot. I do. Oh, well, before we get to our locks, um, like you said, um, Watson is back. Um, his suspension is uplifted. Yep. He acted at practice. Um, he did speak to the reporters. Um, he there he was. I mean, I didn't watch it all of it, but he um at, at the start of it, he said he wasn't 
gonna answer any legal questions regarding the accusations because his team, I guess, uh, was right there. Um, and I guess he was told by them to not report on anything like that. Um, I know the reporters were, were, were trying to get something out of him, but he was like, again, I'm only here to answer football questions, which I mean, he should. Um, he's a quarterback, you know. Um, and the story is, there, he's. I think uh, the game is 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 at is at the Texans. Yep. Um, but I'm kind of like not mad, but confused as why the prosecutors want to bring in the ten accusers to the game. It's like creating more stories. He had to expect that, though. You're right. You're right. But damn. And the accusers, the the accusers probably wanted him behind bars for sure. At least the prosecutor. So seeing him being able to go back to his livelihood and play football, they, uh, it's obvious that they just want to make it a show for them to be like, remember what he did to us. So boo that man or whatever. And it's just like, I mean, you know, Tuesday I did say I wouldn't be surprised if he has a big game and, you know, Dylan was saying, like, with it being in Houston, it's probably the worst place he could be. But right. I think with the circus that's kind of surrounding all of this, his team is going to go out there and probably want to play their best game for him to show their support. Now, I don't know. I'm not, a, like, a Browns insider. I don't know how all the players feel about him, but I'm sure they can at least look at it and say he doesn't deserve to sit there and play in front of the accusers who were just there to try to like bury him some type of story out of it. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up big numbers. I I don't know how the Houston fans will react because I don't really yeah, that's know. Gonna, that's going to be really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Cause their team's not good. So I don't know how the fans even feel about that. Maybe they get like a really big crowd who, you know, goes out of their way to cheer on the Texans. I don't know, but, It'll be interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some Texans fans that are that are supporters of of Washington. I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, there's tons of them that are supporters of them. Some people that you know still I love supporting, but best quarterback that they that they've had, had in years. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, I guess we can just do our our upsets and locks of the week. Um, if you want to go first, man, I, I don't have my locks yet. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of keeping the ones from Tuesday, so I mean, it's a different audience, so they don't, they may not know, but uh, right. I like the Bengals as my upset over the Chiefs. Chiefs are a two point favorite, but I just think with Chase and Mixon coming back, that Bengals offense was really picking it up before those two got hurt, so I expect them to pick it back up. And the Chiefs secondary is one that you can make plays on, and I think Burrow has a pretty good game against the Chiefs. Uh, my lock was what was my lock? Uh, there's a couple I could go with, but I'd probably go. Probably, I'll probably take the Browns over the Texans. Browns, Even though okay. you know Watson could be rusty, but I just think 
the Texans have basically given up on this season by starting Kyle Allen. Not like Davis Mills is any better, but that's clearly waving the white flag, trying to get a top pick next year. So I think the Browns win that game easily. Okay. Um, let's see. I think I'm, I think I had on Tuesday my walk with the Ravens and Broncos. Um, they were nine and a half point favorites. I mean, the game, like you said, they should win. Yeah. Um, should be a lot game. I mean, they're at home. Um, that's a big reason why they're on the money line. Um, but just that their talent compared to Broncos talent, I mean, is is I think it's better than the Broncos right now because they got their issues with uh, Nathaniel Haggett and all the problems that they they have. So I had them with my lock. And for my upset, my upset, I think I'm going to go with the Falcons, man. I can see the Falcons beating the Steelers. Um, the Steelers are one-point favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, Steelers are not that good. I know they beat the Colts, but they're not a good team. Um, let's just be fair. Um, they just played a crappy team. Um, I mean, I, I could put my faith in, I mean, Mariota um, for this game. Um I will just say the one thing to watch out for with your pick of the Falcons in that one is I could see Najee Harris having a really good game. Yeah. Uh, the Falcons have their issues defensively. Tackling is still an issue for them. Also, I could see Pickett having a pretty good game. He's he's starting to come on a little bit here. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised the Steelers won that one, but I could see – Especially with the game being in the in Atlanta, why you you would pick them? That's a game that could go either way. Well, I can't. I was either going to do that one, or I was going to do the Lions and Jaguars. I feel like the Lions can you know bounce back, mm-hmm. get that dub against the Jaguars, or Jaguars are one point favorites. So and that was another game but I those had. Those games with the line where it's one are tough because it kind of seems like uh, Doug Peterson has the Jaguars playing better now. Kind of more like how they played very early in the season and then they went through that middle stretch where they couldn't beat anybody but now it seems like they're playing well again uh the lions the lions are tough at four and seven because offensively they can put up points certain games and then other games they struggle so it kind of depends on which lions and which jaguars teams you get on that day right it's another tough one but i mean yeah um yeah, so let, let's just dive into um, – so I just want to see if I should just go with that um, for my upset. Let me see how you can end. Looking down the list. I, mean, I don't really see any other upsets like that I – I mean, I do hmm. – I mean, there, there's a couple. I, I guess I to kind of maybe steer you one way or the other. Now – if you're not a full believer in the commanders, you could say that the Giants, this might be one of those games that maybe they could win. The Dolphins, Niners, if you don't believe, you know, Jimmy oh, could maybe hang right in front of my face with the Dolphins offense. Maybe the Dolphins could pull the upset there. You know what? I'm going to go with Dolphins because I, I mean, because the, the Niners did put up like 13 against the 13 to 0. Um, um, so. Yeah, I'm going to say Dolphins. I'm going to say Dolphins. Um, I mean, they got Tyreek Hill. They got, you know, It's, it's going to be a 
prove it game for the Dolphins. Yeah, for sure. That's why defense. this last stretch of games for every team is crucial down down the road to see where playoff seating. Um, this is why it's so crucial um, for Miami and, Ra- and the Ravens and other teams that want to make that put their seating up higher. So, yeah, this is a prove it game definitely with um with the Niners in town. So, but I think I'm I think I'm really safe to say that my upset would be Miami against the Niners. I can confidently say that because. Even though you know Tua, kind of you know Tua, um, kind of. St- I mean, other than the concussions, he kind of. I mean, other than that, he had a yeah, he's had a good year. Yeah. Still got Tyreek Hill, um, Waddle. So I mean, yeah, I'm going with them. Um, you could almost argue if he doesn't get the concussion, the Dolphins could be ten and one right now. Maybe even undefeated. I don't know, but that's a hot take. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're right. You're right. Um, all right, so that's for NFL. Before we jump into NBA, I guess we can just briefly talk about the college football playoff seedings. Yeah. Um, before we jump in, and that'd, be, that'd be the last uh topic because uh, I want to touch down on, on that Jerry Jones on the um, you know, LeBron thing. So that, 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 that's probably gonna take a, a lot of the time, the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go over the college football rankings. Um, let's go to the so rankings. So they put um, Georgia number one, 12, 12 and 0. Michigan um, outlasted Ohio State last Saturday, 12 0. Uh, they're, they're at two. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU, another undefeated team. So top three undefeated teams are in the playoffs. Then USC with 11 and 1 record um, at number four. Ohio, number five. And then six, Alabama, my team. Tennessee's right behind them. Um, <laughs> In case you running at the top ten, so talk to me, man. I know you. On two, they were gonna go off if you saw Alabama in the top five. So the committee um, made the right choice, keeping Alabama out of the top five. Now so, mm-hmm, them sitting at six, I'm okay with. I could make the argument that Tennessee and Penn State should be higher than Alabama, but I think that you're kind of splitting hairs there. So. Uh, I'm I'm okay with if they wanted to put them at six. I probably would have either left them at seven or maybe even dropped them to eight. Um, I mean, then the rest of the ten, Clemson and Kansas State, I don't really mind that either. But I was glad that they didn't pull, you know, what they might have done with the SEC where Michigan and Ohio State go against each other. They're both undefeated. The team that loses, they don't drop them completely out. They could have dropped them to four, but I think Ohio, I think USC and TCU deserve to be in the top four right now. Um, and I think Ohio State does deserve to be in front of Alabama. Uh, Alabama, it's just it's it's tricky to kind of pinpoint them because yes, you could look at their two losses and say, well, they lost on the last possession to LSU and Tennessee. That's valid. I mean, yeah, that's the facts. Right. But <laughs> looking at the wins on their schedule, though, it's like, where's the quality in that? I mean, but the, the, the only thing I can say about that is, like, it's not Alabama's fault. They don't pick the schedule. But, yeah, but if we're but trying to like... them in terms of the top ten, top uh, – well, the top four for the playoff, it's like we saw them struggle against Texas early in the season. Yeah, I mean, that was a good game. They undisciplined, yeah. and they kind of looked undisciplined all year. Then 
We saw them with their first test against Tennessee lose that one. Then they get a second opportunity against LSU to kind of bounce back from the Tennessee loss. They lose to LSU. And then the past couple of weeks, which is kind of one of the reasons why I say that the way the SEC teams make their schedule can hurt them in instances, is the last two times we've seen Alabama, they beat Austin P and Auburn, which unfortunately didn't really do much for them in the committee's eyes in terms of building a resume to warrant being in the top four. And then now they're not in the SEC championship game, so their season's over. There's really no reason to put them up in the top four. That's kind of... So there's like no chance that Alabama gets the playoff. Or some games... I tried to think of ways that they could get in. Like, so... Georgia's a lock no matter what. I don't care if yeah, they lose Georgia's, LSU, Yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're up there. Yeah, they're I think Michigan beating Ohio State, they're a lock. Even if they lose to Purdue, unless they lose like 63-nothing to Purdue, I think Michigan's a lock. TCU, USC. Those are the spots you're looking at as an Alabama. TCU has to play, I think, Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. Kansas State's a pretty good team. They're ranked in the top 10 if tc were to lose that you know for their first loss i don't i don't really know how i don't think the committee is too strong on tcu if tcu loses that game they probably fall out usc probably has the toughest game out of the top four because they have to play utah who's ranked number 11 has some decent wins on their schedule so it won't be easy for usc but if only one of those teams lose, I think Ohio State just jumps back into the top four because their one loss would be to a potentially undefeated Big Ten champion, Michigan, who's ranked number two. So you can't really kill them that much for losing to just that one team. Um, now, in terms of Tennessee, Penn State, the teams behind them, their seasons are over. So you, the only one you really worry about is Clemson, but... There's no way Clemson's jumping from nine to four. Not a chance. Uh, Clemson, probably one of their weakest teams as well. So I I just think Alabama's going to be stuck on the outside looking in no matter what really happens, unless TCU, USC both get blown out. Then the committee's kind of forced to move Ohio State and Alabama up as three and four. Right, and then also you do uh, Purdue might. I mean, Purdue is gonna might. I mean, with Michigan, but that shouldn't really factor in. No, I, I think Michigan's a lock no matter what, unless like I said, sixty three nothing Purdue blowout, and then they're like, "Oh, what's going on here?" But yeah, Michigan's fine no matter what. Yeah, you like USC is a three point favorite against Utah, so I mean, it's not that high. Yeah, because Utah's a really good team. It's just that um, they they just have three losses on their schedule. Uh, looking at, you know, they lost Florida week one, which was whatever. But then the two losses were to uh, number 18, UCLA. UCLA is not a bad team. And then they lost to Oregon, who outside of the Georgia, you know, beat down in week one, Oregon's had a really good season, so... You could kind of look at Utah as being in a situation almost like Alabama, except for uh, Utah does 
have the one they well they gave USC their one loss already. So if Utah can pull off the double and sweep USC, that looks really good for them, but they're just too low to really do anything about that now. But I yeah, I just think Alabama they'll be in a, you know, New Year's six bowl or whatever, but I don't see them being in the playoff picture right now. Ah, that's why I'm so happy that the football expansion is happening. Yeah, but it's not, it's not for two years, though. Well, basically this year, and this year, and next year. And we're yeah, doing... this year, next year, under the current standing, and then 2024, go to the expanded playoff, yeah. And teams, that's like 12 teams? Yep. There'll be the Power Five Conference Champions, then – the highest-ranked conference champion from one of the other conferences would make up your sixth. Then the other six teams will just be uh, like the sixth highest-ranked teams in the rankings at that point. So it'll probably just be a bunch of big-name schools with one smaller school in it, which is fine. Which is like for so how the does anyone know how the playoff ranking is, like the playoff format is like the it's kind of like the NFL where like the the top team has a buy or it would be since there's more teams which I think so 12 teams they're going to do I think the top two teams get a buy I believe and then like three will play 12 four play 11 five 10 Six, nine, seven, and eight. Those would be your first round matchups, and then the top two teams would join in in the second round. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be a, open up the door for a lot more competition in the playoffs. Is is much needed. Um, I said there's four teams in the playoffs that you know are locks, so that opens up doors for you now. Just Do- for new matchups, and I don't I don't yeah. understand these college football fans who are like, oh, four is perfect. Actually, I prefer just the top two. It's like, you don't make any sense because nobody wants to sit around and watch every year where the end game, it's always Georgia-Alabama somehow meet up in the title game. We're done with that, and then the other two teams is usually Ohio State or Michigan and some random team, or actually probably Clemson most years or Oklahoma or something. You open it up to 12, you're still going to get a bunch of big-name schools like Penn State, you know, uh, Florida State might be in play now, LSU. So you're still going to see really good teams go up against each other. And, yes, you get the one school that's not in the Power Five, but so what? The point is you might get an upset here or there, which is going to be really good for college football. I don't know. College football fans are. But, yeah, I mean. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go back and forth with them all the time. So I, I, I get it with them. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm excited to see how the playoff, like, format, uh, like, plays in in 2024. Um, but, like, any last thoughts about for the college football before we move on to the NBA? No, I'm just glad that it's coming 2024. Because I think the 
latest that could have came was like 2026 or something. I'm glad they didn't wait that long. So right. uh, I'm just happy to see it. All right. So this is the top. This is the conversation I've been waiting to like, you know, pour out. Um, obviously, you've seen in, in the in the group chat, in the Sports Empire group chat that um, I was kind of like, you know, happy that LeBron kind of put the Lakers media me in general, I'm not on blast, but like, you know, kind of shut the media up. Like first, like this, I just want to hear your, like your thoughts. Cause you didn't really say much in the group chat when we were kind of like talk, like you didn't really put in your opinion in like the, um, the, the LeBron. So I want to hear your. Yeah. I was kind of just seeing where the conversation was going. Um, um, so I guess my question is like, do you, like, do you agree with what LeBron did and how, like, you know, he was trying to talk and then the reporter kind of cut him off. He was like, wait, like, you know, I don't want y'all to talk. I'm going to talk. Um, like, you know, so first, I mean, like Gene said, I mean, obviously Jerry Jones, he's an NFL owner. He's not in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, my point was, like, like a Kyrie situation, like when race, or I'm, well, I'm not sure race was even involved in the whole Kyrie. It was just an anti-Semitic video that was. Um, but when it's like something like a like race that's involved, mm-hmm. and like after you tell your side of, of like the, um, like of your perspective, I'm going to show the fans, the viewers, the history of this photo. Um, and, I, and I think, I mean, then I'm going to read the Dex Prescott statement. He came out today and kind of like spoke about Jerry Jones. So, uh, yeah, just like, let me just get your thought process on this whole, you know, Jerry Jones, LeBron James. Because if yeah. LeBron really didn't make it a, you know, put it in a limelight, um, then would we be talking about it? Well, my thing is, people have talked about the Jerry Jones thing because I've heard Shannon Sharp talk about it. I've heard uh, Brother to Another. I don't know if you've seen that show. It's on like Peacock. They talked about it. I mean, CNN even talked about it. So people have talked about the Jerry Jones thing. And my thing is, you got to realize, this was, what, 1957, I think, in Uh, Arkansas. So I'm not surprised to see Jerry Jones in a picture from that time period because that's what was going on around the world, especially in the South. Now... You know, Jerry Jones made the claim that, you know, he wasn't, I guess, participating. He was observing. And I think Doug put in the chat like, yeah, we would have to see video to kind of see whether or not that's true from a picture. Right. He could say he was observing. And then you look at the picture, it's like, well, yeah, he's kind of there watching. So we don't know what he's doing. But even if you look at a movie like Remember the Titans, the scene where, you know, they come back from camp the black kids are trying to go into school and all the white kids are just like, oh, get out of our school. It's like, that that's just the time period. So is it a big deal? Yes. Is it surprising? No. I wouldn't be surprised if you took, uh, if you found photographs from a bunch of people around Jerry Jones' age, they were probably in similar situations. Now, in terms of I guess LeBron talking about it because I remember Gene saying like, you know, the NBA media or whatever isn't obligated to talk to LeBron about Jerry Jones, whereas... I mean, yeah, but Gene, Gene is wrong. Like they, that's why right. he can... Yeah, they ask him about that. 
I mean, that that is kind of valid where if I were to get somebody's point of view on the Jerry Jones situation, you know, I know LeBron is an outspoken guy. So if I asked him about it, he'd have a point of view. But the first person I'd probably go to, you kind of said Dak Prescott. I would want to know from a, a you know, person of color within the Cowboys what right. they think about it because they have to work directly for Jerry Jones. Whereas LeBron, it's like, yes, if I ask LeBron about it, he'll he'll give me a soundbite because, you know, LeBron pays attention. And, you know, that's one of the things where even looking at the Kyrie situation where his platform kind of got him in trouble for certain things. When you look at LeBron, you don't really see a lot of that in his history. Like when LeBron speaks out on stuff, it's usually pretty credible. It's, it's, you know, current. So it's something that people are really talking about amongst their friends or whatever. And he's very careful in terms of what like people know about him and all that. I mean, the worst thing you could say about LeBron's career was the decision thing from, you know, when he went to Miami. Now, for an athlete, if that's the worst thing I can point to in terms of you dealing with the media, you're doing pretty good based off of what we've seen from other athletes. So, um, but yeah, I mean, with LeBron, if he, you know, wanted the time to kind of just speak his piece and if the media was trying to cut him off or whatever, I have no problem with an athlete being like, look, I know it's a press conference. We go back and forth, but just give me, just give me my soapbox for a minute. I have no problem with that. Um, but then, I guess just a tangent a little bit. There, it kind of seems like with some people that they're kind of looking at the Jerry Jones situation as almost as a way to try to almost give Kyrie a pass for what he went through, and it's like. I wouldn't go that far. Grand scheme of things, both guys did something wrong. Um, like I said, Jerry Jones, 1950s, Arkansas. Doesn't surprise me that he's in a photo like that because that's just how it was in the well, South. Like the first thing, uh, okay, so so like, yeah, I do like your your side of things, like your perspective. So um, before I get into like the, like the history of the photo and like, you know, what Dak said, Mm-hmm. Um, like when, you, like when you said that, um, like when you just stated that, like you know, when people want to compare it to like the Kyrie Irving situation, it was both kind of bad. But then there was a report saying that Amazon does not plan on taking any, taking the, taking the movie down. Um, I think I don't think it was Bezos who said that. I think it was one of the. Yeah, I, I saw uh, that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I went on Twitter, and they were like, "Okay, so wow, so y'all, so y'all not gonna." Like, which I agree, they should attack Amazon for putting it on there. But their view on it is they want to say that doesn't really they want to that doesn't matter to me, though. They they say they want to keep it on there for like for people to have different views on it. Like, for people to have different takes. If I wanted to watch the film, I could watch it. It's my right to either watch it or not. So just because Amazon makes it available, that doesn't mean it's like Amazon's fault that Kyrie watched it or didn't watch it but tweeted about it. That's not Amazon's fault. That was Kyrie's decision. So the same way if Kyrie watched it, kind of kept his thoughts to himself and then tweeted out something like, wow, it's crazy what I saw in this movie. That'd be one thing. But he just tweeted it out and left it as that. That was the issue. 
whether Amazon made it available or not, that's that's fine. Because if I go to a library, there could be books in there that could be controversial, but I don't have to check the book out. That's not the library's fault for making it available. It's just, it's a piece right. of, I guess, art, I guess they would call it. And it may appeal to some, won't appeal to others, but it's just available for anybody who wants to. So the people who want Amazon to like pull it, and if Amazon decides not, the same way if Amazon decided to pull it, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, they're they're stupid for doing it. But them saying that they're not going to pull it, I'm perfectly okay with that. So um, to for all the fans or you know that are going to be hearing this or um, they're here viewing this right now, just a good little history of the photo that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's just a little brief history. So Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, um, I think it was before the holiday Thanksgiving, a photo surfaced on the internet of a young fourteen-year-old Jerry Jones um, just in a white crowd of you know this. White people and they, I guess, the photographer from um, from the Washington Post, like I guess, posted it and um, pinpointed Jerry Jones in the picture, and it was um, a photo taken taken in on September 9th of 1957. Um, jo- this is from the Washington Post. Um, the history of it on um, the photo. Um, Jones was one of the of a few dozen white teenagers who confronted a group of black students outside the doors of North Little Rock High School in Arkansas. The photograph of the encounter taken by a photographer from the Associated Press, um, it wasn't the Washington Post, um, on, uh, centers on two white people, white students, one laughing, one with a cigarette in his, in his snarl, staring down one of the black students. Shortly after the photo was taken, the black students were pushed back down the stairs to the street. Their effort to um, in- integrate the school rejected by force, at least for the time being. And in the background, a few, few feet away from the snarling kids, you can see Jerry Jones. The post-Jones memory of the day centered on concern about getting in trouble. After all, his football coach had warned players not to be involved shooting, or should not be involved should there be any unrest when the new students arrived. Jones clearly ignored that warning. Um, so the considering what this is, uh, and I quote from the article, consider what we're looking at here, though photos from the time, from the, from the time period in which the United States was confronting an, an um, endemic racism through the civil rights movement are, are finally enough in black and white that can have an anonymizing effect, um, so we're talking about like Jim Crow uh, era, um, 1957, you know, still like post-slavery, civil rights. Um, the, the past is never dead, as Fulker said. It is not even pa- past. Jones is 80 now. Ruby Ruby Bridges, the little famous black girl, photographed in the company of the U.S. Marshals as, it be- as she became the first black girl to in- integrate in school in New Orleans in 1960 is barely of retirement age, and many other Americans are old enough to have been part of the same history. Um, so this is where I'm getting it from, from this, from the Washington Post article is this that, okay, so Jerry Jones said that his coach um, reportedly said to his players to not even be a part of this, this event. Mm-hmm. Obviously Jones 
14. Obviously, we, we all have curious minds at that age. Yeah. Um, which is, I don't see a problem. But if a coach tells you to not, like, go to an event because he knows it's going to start trouble, um, and knowing that after that photo was taken that those black students were pushed back, um, and seeing Jones' track history as being the owner of not hiring black players, um, I don't think he has any African American, male or female, in his in his owner's um, realm. Not, not that I know of, um, but I know he hasn't hired. I mean, hired any black coaches. I think it's McCarthy, Jason, um, Jason Garrett, um, as far as I know. Um, and I, my views on it is, it's like, yeah, he is fourteen. I get it. He was trying to be curious, but if someone tells you not to partake in something like like this, knowing that the civil rights movement is still going on, mm-hmm. knowing that black players, African American players, even just human, this this beyond this athletes, humans are being like police brutality uh, by by the cops. Players couldn't you know eat with their teammates, mm-hmm. um, couldn't go to the same restaurants. And knowing that just that Jones was in that photo, it just speaks to his track record as a owner um, of, and like you said before, he has black players on the team who are, that work under Jerry Jones. Yeah. And him, and I don't know, I, I just feel that this is a big deal because obviously, but like like Douglas said in the group chat, we need to see video, some more evidence. But in the article, it said that the, the players were the black players were pushed back. So obviously they weren't allowed to be where Jerry where Jerry Jones in the vicinity of the area. Mm-hmm. So if I was a reporter for like the Cowboys or just an ESPN reporter, the first question I would be looking into is, um, what were the stances of of his perspective on the situation and what was but the perspective of the the white players around him like were they just there to just like make fun and jokes i mean i guarantee you that was not the case because i mean obviously white people were very very violent in that time towards african-americans so i'm pretty sure they weren't there just for the hell of it I mean, they're they're there to cause some ruckus um and yeah i, mean, I did do the math i'm uh it was 65 years ago, so it's not. It does seem long ago, but it's not that long ago um, that you know slavery. I mean, obviously slavery was you know like 400 years ago, um, somewhat. Um, but civil rights. I mean, we're still dealing with racism. We're still dealing with police brutality. We're still dealing with African Americans being somewhat unpaid still compared to white owners, um, and. I don't know. I just didn't sit right with me knowing that, you know, he hasn't really hired a a minority, not even this African-American, this minority leader in that in a position of, you know, of high power like that. Um, now, so let me read you um, Dex. I know we both want to read Dex's statement because he is. Well, I think he's he, I think he's biracial. I think he missed that in, yeah, his, so. yeah. in his post. So let me just go back to that. Um, I think it was in. If I can find it, Yahoo. Well, I'll just say real quickly while you're finding that, you know. Yeah. The. I mean, 
to, to make the correlation between, you know, the photo and Jerry Jones history of not hiring minority uh, coaches or whatever. That's kind of a league wide issue. You're right. I will say. But just that team in general, like the Cowboys. I I don't know in terms of like assistant coaches and position coaches, like how many of how many of those positions have gone to minority players. And I don't pay attention to the Cowboys like that. Right, right. Me neither. Me neither. I noticed like a track record of of white coaches and just, just, you know. Yeah, head coaches. Yeah, because I know it's. I think he hired what Barry Switzer. He hired Jimmy Johnson, McCarthy, Parcells. I mean, why hasn't he hired Brian Flores? Why hasn't he hired you know? Oh, Brian, Brian B- Flores. No, well, I'm just saying this in general. Like, well, but, yeah, I'm just saying uh, it's like you know, there's so many other good coaches out there that have been a minority, minority that should. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about just like the staff overall. Like, I don't know if it's. I'm not sure. Like you said, I don't. I'll look at the Cowboys like I, mean, I find it hard to believe that he would not have had some minority position coaches. I feel like you look around the league, even if it's not a black coach, is because like okay, I'm a Patriots fan. Robert Kraft, he's never hired a black coach, but I mean his only coaches have been uh, Pete Carroll was I think his first hire, and then it was Bill Belichick. That's basically the only coaches he's ever hired. So, yes, he's never had a black coach, but he's also only had two coaches under him. Right. But you look at the position coaches, he's had Troy Brown, Gerard Mayo, Brian Flores started off as a Patriots coach, um, and some other guys. I can't remember all of them. But, like, in that, yes, is that is that solve the problem of head coaching in terms of black candidates? No. But at least putting them in those positions should get them in the, in the line for the head coaching position. Now, whether the owner hires them or not, we'll have to see because like you said, there's plenty of them around the league right now. Flores, who probably should still be the Dolphins coach, but we know the Dolphins organization, whatever, you know, left, which enemy. So there's plenty of them out there. We're going to have to see in the next coming years, how many of those guys get those jobs. And I also have been one of those who think when it comes to the, like Jerry Jones generation, where a lot of those guys own a lot of these teams, their mentality might be one way, but as those get the, but as that generation kind of moves out and you see owners get kind of younger, I feel like the issues may start. It might start looking better because I think as the younger generations get in, the way, okay, so basically the way that the younger generation looks at race or whatever is clearly more open than how the older generation looks at it. So, I mean, it's not necessarily the best thing to say, like, wait it out. It's going to get better. But that might unfortunately be where we're at, though. I don't know. I'm talking the whole time. The mute. Um, yeah. Like... You like yeah, like you really pinpointed um just the fact that you know there are coaches out there that you know deserve that you know a higher role, um, but I did find that on the league to start hiring them. Oh yeah, um so obviously we can be more. This is um and I quote from Dak Prescott, I think from today or yesterday. Um obviously he was 
or obviously we can be more empathetic and give grace to one another regardless of race. I think he's talking about Prescott or uh, Jerry Jones and LeBron's statement of mm-hmm. him kind of like focusing on the picture. So obviously we can be a more be more empathetic and give grace to one another regardless of race from the times we've come from to where we are now. Thinking about the growth we've had, that's who I am, how I think. Optimistic, I mean, a guy who is completely biracial, black and white, it's easy for me to speak on race on one side or another. And I don't always, hmm, I, how do I say this? I don't know if I'm fully processed it all the way, honestly. I think whether LeBron's t- t- talking to the picture, that's, that, 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 that's on Jerry Jones to address. In, this, in the same sense, it's 65 years ago and how times have changed, I mean, look at the man's resume since then, right? As I said, I gave I give grace. I think that's a conversation and a question not only for him, but for you guys and how y'all feel and how accountable y'all have been in covering and discussing the disparities and difference in, in resume. Um, as I said, I'm here for growth and I'm in giving grace and trying to make this world a better place. That's who I am and at my core and I will and I and what I believe in. Unfortunate things come up from the past, pictures, and they show how they show how far we've come. But at the same sense, they're a reminder of how short of a time that, that was ago. That wasn't that long ago. I mean, that wasn't that long ago that we were all sitting at different sides and we weren't together. But as I said, I wouldn't be here if it weren't we're still that way. So I believe in grace and change. Those are questions for Jerry, for, y- for y'all, honestly, that I don't have quite the answers for. So, yeah, I mean, that got hit it right on the nail. Like like I said, you know, 65 years wasn't that long ago. Like he said, like like I said, like there was times where like we whites and blacks were separated. And that's cool. It's kind of interesting to see from his side because he is biracial to hear from both sides of the story from his family's perspective. Um, but I mean, he kind of hit it, hit it, hit every angle. Just how, like, you know, Jerry needs to step up, take accountable, and answer questions um, about. Uh, I don't know if, it, if he has yet talked to the press about the picture or whatever. But um, I mean, that hits a, hit, hits the nail on the coffin right there. Like that's that's. Uh, I mean, he said that you know, um, as. I guess where he's coming from is like if it wasn't for Jerry Jones, it being him being the owner, maybe he wouldn't be the quarterback for the Cowboys. Um, obviously, he Jerry Jones and them signed his contracts, um, so that's a, maybe that's why he's not really saying much because he wants Jerry Jones to you know he's not going to speak for Jerry Jones. Well, um, I feel like he's probably coming from the position that you know he is he's probably seen Jerry Jones' interaction with black players. Right. So he probably sees like, yeah, it's not like Jerry Jones comes down there and, you know, makes them dance for him or something. So he sees that he may not have, you know, uh, like racist heart or something like that. Right. Now, because I, I mean, from the outside looking in, I know Jerry Jones speaks highly of Prescott. He spoke no. highly of Michael Irvin. He loved Michael Irvin. He loved Emmett Smith. So players, yes. Now, coach hiring, that's another thing. And I mean we could say that could be any number of issues, whether it's maybe he just hasn't liked any of the candidates he's seen. I mean, can you doubt him if he said that? Cause it's not like 
I mean, who's the worst hire he's probably made? I mean, Jimmy Johnson won titles. Barry Switzer, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Bill Parcells, legendary. I mean, the Jason Garrett one, that's probably one you'd point to and be like, why him? But then he loved Jason Garrett as a player on the Cowboys. So when it came time to give him a shot at the job, maybe that's why. And McCarthy now. You can say McCarthy maybe struggled last season, but if you look at it this year, McCarthy's been pretty good. So um, I think even as Doug said as well, he was like, it's Jerry Jones's team. He can run it any way he wants to, and it's his right to do it that way. Right. So it's I mean it's a catch twenty two. And then one little thing I want to add too is that I think the interesting thing is to kind of take it a little bit outside of sports is that, you know, with Dak Prescott coming at it from a biracial angle, and I think looking at numbers and all that, you know, interracial couples and stuff are becoming more and more the norm. So we're gonna have a future here soon where you're gonna have a lot of biracial athletes and stuff and you know i wonder how that's going to shape you know ownership and all that kind of stuff as like i said the older generation kind of moves on will we just start seeing like biracial people being put into these positions and then that maybe can change some of these some of the like numbers in terms of white coaches versus minority coaches I mean, I mean, and we did forget that. Uh, well, we did forget that um, thing that that Jaron hated the player for kneeling too, with, Ka- with Kaepernick too. He took a stance on that too. Um, you know, well, he, that that was a political thing. But that, yeah, it was. Um, you know, Jerry Jones was a Trump supporter, so that's that. That yeah, that whole thing was just that was right. more political than anything. Um, but I, like, I do want to read um, this LeBron James like press conference statements too. Like he said, I got one question for y'all, uh, for you guys before you guys leave. Mm-hmm. I was thinking when I was on my way over here, I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from the guys, from you guys about Jerry Jones' photo. James said, but when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were so quick to ask us questions about that. So James, let me know the press conference at the time. I said, me personally, this is like his statement mm-hmm. about Kyrie when they asked him. Me personally, I don't condone any hate to any kind, to any race, to Jewish communities, to black communities, to Asian communities. You guys know where I stand, James said. I believe what Kyrie did caused some harm to a lot of people. And he has since over the last, I think it was a day or two ago, or yesterday he apologized, but he caused some harm and I think it's unfortunate. Um, so he came out in the press conference, I think yesterday, the other day, but it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo and I know it was years and years ago, and all, we all make mistakes. I get that. But it seems like it just was buried under like, oh, it happened. Okay, we just move on. And I was was just kind of like disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. I, I didn't know at the time he, he the monumental event really that was going, or this is Jones. Um, I didn't know at the time the monumental event really that was going on. Jones said, I'm sure, I'm sure glad that we're a long way, a, a long way from that I, I am that would remind me too that just continue to do everything we can to not have those kinds of things happen um james grew up uh I, 
So uh, James said, I had to sit out on the Cowboys, man. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of things that were going on when guys were kneeling. Guys were having freedom of speech and wanting to do it in a very peaceful manner. The organization was like, if you don't, if you if you do that around here, then you will never play for this franchise again. I just don't, I just didn't think that was appropriate. Uh, Jones, um, Jones, twenty twenty seven or twenty seventeen. I said, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when many NFL players began kneeling during the national anthem, and gesture of solidarity for then quarterback Colin Kaepernick, uh, peaceful protest against police brutality, said he would not tolerate any of these players disrespecting the flag. Um, I mean, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that obviously LeBron James has stand on, like, you know, with the whole, like, you know, kneeling and everything. And this is track record of, you know, him as an owner of, of, um, him, like, as I said, that, the kneeling thing, that was, political. No, it was political, but still, yeah. like, you know, like, it's like, it, because, oh, it's your, I mean, he's really close with Trump. Trump made the same statement. So he was showing support for Trump. Now, Robert Kraft, I believe is known to be friends with Don- with Donald Trump as well. Because uh, Robert Kraft talked about it, you know, when he lost his wife, he said Trump was one of those people who was really nice to him, so they became friends over that. And Robert Kraft heard Trump say the same thing, and Robert Kraft's response was, hey, players, you do what you want, because it's your right to do it. So, two different people, both supported the guy, had two different stances on it, and one we've seen with Robert Kraft, he's one of those guys who likes to empower his players to voice them, voice their opinion. That's what, you know, Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, those guys will speak out on issues all the time. And Robert Kraft is fine with it. Jerry Jones, on the other hand, I feel like Jerry Jones just wants to control everything. And we've seen that with the Cowboys. He wants to be the biggest star. He wants to be, I mean, if Jerry Jones could, he'd put on a helmet and pads and play quarterback for the Cowboys right now because he just wants the limelight. And that's kind of one of the things I said is one of the biggest issues with the Cowboys is until Jerry Jones takes a step back and lets people, it puts people in positions to do certain aspects of the job. Right. I don't really see the Cowboys winning with him as an owner because he just wants it to be so much about him that I think it just hurts the team in the long. Like, he has his own radio show and stuff. It's like, what other owner has that? I, I, I honestly don't know of any other ones that do. You know, they may do a little spot here or there for the radio just to be like, oh, yeah. Give a statement or whatever. Yeah, to, you know, connect with the fans and all that. But the man has his own radio show. And it's like, okay, whatever. But, I mean, your question was about, you know, not asking LeBron. It's easy for the media to ask LeBron about Kyrie because we know about their history together. Right, right, right. Teammates in Cleveland. Well, LeBron had ties with, like, he was a Cowboys fan. And, like, you know. I was just about to say, LeBron's documented as a Cowboys fan. That's why I'm surprised that they didn't ask the question. Well, I don't think people look at, because LeBron's fandom, it's, like, all over the place. It's like yeah, Ohio State. Well, obviously from Ohio. Ohio, Ohio State. State. I think he's a Duke fan. He's uh, when the Indians. Well, the Indians <laughs> yeah, he wasn't the, yeah. the World Series. He was a fan of them, but he's a Yankees fan. It is just like all right, yeah. He's kind of like Drake, where it's like Drake's a fan of like Toronto, a bunch of teams when they're like doing really well, and then when they're not doing well, 
Drake's like popping up as a fan of somebody else. And it's like, bro, who are you a fan of? So I think because of that, they probably weren't thinking like off the top of the head, like, oh, wait, LeBron's a Cowboys fan. Let's ask him because LeBron's fandom, like I said, is all over the place. But the Kyrie thing was just obvious. They were teammates. Then they had that breakup where Kyrie was like, he wanted to be a leader and get out from underneath LeBron. So it was easy to ask him that. The Jerry Jones situation, I would quicker ask Dak Prescott or Michael Parsons or one of those guys than ask LeBron. So I just think that's what it is. NBA media versus NFL media. I bet if I bet if LeBron went to uh, like a Rams game and a reporter saw him, they might have asked him about Jerry Jones because he was at a football game. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're reaching the um, the two-hour mark. Um, so do you have any, like, final thoughts for the, tonight? Um, you know, what we talked about or anything that's on your mind that you want to? No, I mean, uh, you know, really good show, really good conversation. Yeah, sure. I feel like sure. the whole – you know, Jerry Jones, LeBron thing, Kyrie and all that. I feel like that's a conversation that a lot of people are probably having. And, you know, there's plenty of viewpoints on it. You know, my whole thing has been when it comes to athletes or owners or anybody who's connected with sports in general, it's like you have a much bigger platform than, you know, Jordan, you know, you or I have. Yeah. And with the way that the world is today, use the platform to try to, you know, unite people, you know, spread love and all that kind of stuff. It's like all this divisive stuff that's going on, whether, you know, politics, which, you know, we don't really do on here, but it's like, that's such a big part of what's going on in the world today that it's just like, you know, it's one thing 60 something years ago with, with Jerry Jones and how the climate of the world was back then. But it's like fast forwarding to now. It's like has progress been made? Yes, but it's it's but it's like we should be much further along than we, we are. Should, yeah, at this we should point. be, and we should be. Yep. But as I also said throughout this episode, it's like I feel like as the younger generation continues to get older and older, and the way that they're brought up and the world that they're brought up in, my maybe it's naive of me to think that I think the relations between races can only get better because we're seeing so much whether it's you know interracial or just even looking politically younger people usually don't align themselves with people who are you know bigots and hate speech now some do but i think they're in the minority so mm-hmm. the future at least to me i i like i said i hope that the future is brighter but it's just that we should be better off right now than we are no, it's like you've kind of you you kind of said everything right. Like like he like you know. I mean, sixty like I said, 65, 50 years um, seems long, um, but if you think about it on a wider spectrum, sixty five years is not that long ago. I mean, yeah. of that that happening. So, I mean, like you said, we should be. Um, and, and like you bring up a good point. It's like how young people are starting to get educated, um, and that's and another topic that we can get to like in another episode or another podcast show is like well i don't know because it's more education but like like me growing up in the in the high school middle school curriculum 
I mean, when talking about race and stuff, like I didn't really know about Ruby Bridges. I already know about, you know, I mean, I roughly touched service on Rosa Parks because, like, she was a prominent, you know, figure in the civil rights of Martin Luther King. Um, but that had to do with, like, you know, with education, too. I mean, with the younger people come up in, in, in the educational system, uh, I feel like people are, people are more, getting more educated. Um, whereas, like you said, like, I feel like the younger people are kind of separating of, in the high school age, like maybe freshman college year age, like they're trying to like realize that, hey, who's racist, who's not. Um, so they're kind of figuring that out, like you said, perfectly. Um, and like, yeah, like, I mean, we should be in a in a perfect world better. Um, we've seen, you know, small progress. Um, I know for me, it takes a village for everything to, you know, work. Mm-hmm. And I know some people have different views. You might have different views on some things. I might have different views on certain things. Um, we but, can at least respect. Yeah, respect. Yeah, views or exactly. That's another thing where today um, it's like certain people, if you think a certain way, it's like they're biased. Want to do is like you know they just want to beat you down over it and you know exactly. come back at you with like hate speech to try to make you feel bad. It's like no, it's like we're we're grown people. Right. Uh, we can be adults about it. You know. If you like, if you think the sky is blue, but I think it's green, I don't have to sit here and make you think you're an idiot for thinking it's blue. I could be like, so why do you I mean, think it's blue and yeah, have I mean, a you can, I mean, conversation like, out of it? Right. I mean, for all I know, you can be colorblind. For all I know, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Like we both make good points. I mean, I think that you know we should we should be in a good spot when it comes to like race. Um. But like like LeBron James and the other prominent figures that had those platforms, they should really like push and push and push and get the younger people out there. I mean, just not sports, like you just like push them out to the polls, get get other people in position that, you know, that are minorities out there, you know, female female politicians, get get more diverse people out there mm-hmm. to make the decisions for us. Um so yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, guess, I love when the NBA said we're not playing any games on election day. Make yeah. the focus on the I thought that was a great move by Adam Silver. And you know, I'm sure it probably rubbed some people the wrong way, but it's like, hey, it is what it is. You know, voting is an important issue. It is, it's something it is. that we've seen that, you know, some people are trying to take it away from people or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say about that. But it's just like that's where we can make our voice heard about who represents us and all that. So right. I thought the NBA making that a focus for them was a really big deal. No, I definitely agree. So I guess so in the show, um, like I said many times at the end of the show, um, you can follow the, the JJ Sports Talk Show or Sports Talk on um, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts. Um, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Um, the live stream is on Facebook Live and YouTube. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can also catch me on uh, the Sports Empire Network with uh, my boy Kyle Edwards and Dylan, um, Dylan Reed on the B3 podcast. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to push more episodes out, you know, since I'm school is winding down. So that, I definitely want to put more episodes maybe like twice weekly. Um, so get more content out there. But um, 
yeah i mean i think this was a good episode um and you just want to plug in your information plug in your podcast and everything so people can follow you yeah so like jordan said tuesday night sports empire network big three podcast with he and dylan i do uh pre-gaming pigskin thursday nights with gene and godfrey um i have my own podcast which is uh chomping at the bit you can find that uh well at least the video version on my youtube channel which is chomping at the bit as well but also the audio version is available wherever you listen to podcasts just search chomping at the bit um try to see what else oh i have you know well, I do YouTube shorts, but, you know, that's still on the YouTube channel. Now, I'm starting to get into TikTok. Got to be honest with you, I'm probably late to that poll. Yeah, thing, I, 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 like, I've seen a couple of TikToks uh, of you, like, uh, like um, what? Uh, like, you have the list of teams that are, and then you say which team is going to be, like, you know. Yeah. Like, you cut my idea of um, pretenders or contenders, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think of ways to kind of, because, you know, TikTok being such a short yeah. video form, like, trying to, I'm still trying to come up with some ways to have some fun on there, but you know, hasn't been too bad. You know, it's yeah. definitely something different. You reach a different audience, but yeah, I'm on TikTok uh, at Chompin Podcast, the same Twitter and all that. So, you know, if you want to find me, I'm kind of everywhere. So, yeah, look me up. Yeah, well, that concludes um, this week's episode. Um, I guess the next time we'll, you'll catch us is on Tuesday, but uh, hopefully our next episode we'll be uh, celebrating a USA win tomorrow. Um, by the time we get on back on the back on the podcast, so yeah. um, go USA! Yes. Know, it's going to be an early game, 10 a.m. I know yeah. I'm going to set my alarm. I usually have my alarm at 6 a.m., but I might sleep in a little bit. But um, go USA! And um, yeah, we are out. All right.